0: The following is a production of Phoenix Media. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers, and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater.
1: mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and
2: justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. When Clark Kent tricked the Inca Indians into believing they had killed Terry White and the American engineer John Craig, he returned to the Inca palace and, slipping into the huge council chamber, hid behind a curtain on the balcony. His plan was to somehow gain an audience with Nehru, Supreme Chief of the Inca Nation, in the hope of gaining his friendship and, incidentally, his permission to build a trans-hemisphere highway over Tupangato Mountain. As Kent looked down on the council room, a massive door opened and Nehru entered, accompanied by Lumati, one of his chiefs. Listen. Need not the weak
1: counsel of cowards in our midst, Nehru. Rather be guided by your own knowing instinct. You mean, Lumati, that the white men should die? Yes, Nehru, I do. I believe they menace our civilization. We will not be
2: safe until they are done away with.
1: But and the others say we have no right to kill.
2: Consider, Nero, how 400 years ago, our people fled to this secluded spot to escape the murderous weapons of white men such as these. Think what will happen when their accursed road is built through our sacred mountain.
1: Choose, Nero, between the welfare of our nation and the lives of these whites. Your plea, Lumati, is the most eloquent one. My decree then stands. You mean Yes, death to the whites. Death to all of them. I will summon the guards and order the execution.
2: Wait, Nehru, ruler of the mighty incarnation.
1: Lumati, did you hear a voice speak out? Yes,
2: I... Act not
4: in haste, O Nehru. Hear me first.
5: Who speaks thus? Where are you? It must be an evil god.
4: No, Lumati. I am no evil god.
2: But the spirit of peace and goodwill. If you speak the truth, by
1: then do you not show yourself to us as a sign of faith? That I cannot do. But you must hear me and trust me. Speak then. Yes. What do you wish?
2: I have come to save you from committing an evil unworthy of your heritage and your greatness.
1: What is this of which you speak?
2: Your decision to kill the white prisoners. You must rescind that decision, Nehru. ...or evil days will befall you and your people. I
5: suspect a ruse, Nehru. Heed not this unseen voice.
2: Listen carefully, Nehru. In return for your release of the white prisoners... ...I will grant you one wish. Name it, Nehru. Nehru,
1: listen to me. he still listen. Hear me, unseen voice. Can you grant us a river? A river that flows by our hidden city? He cannot do. You see, Nehru, Is that what you most desire, Nehru? Yes. To have a river. A river that flows swiftly and with strength. So that can turn the wheels of our mills and provide power for other uses. That has been the desire of my people for many years.
6: That wish shall be granted, Nehru. But in return,
2: the white prisoners must be safely conducted to their silver birds. And you must promise that you will no longer hinder the building of a highway through the mountains.
7: Nehru,
1: this is madness. Do not pledge your word. Remember what it means, Nehru. A road
2: through our sacred mountain. The end of our ancient civilization. You are wrong, Lumati. Your civilization can continue in peace in this hidden valley, unmolested.
6: What is your decision, Nehru?
1: My decision is death to the whites. No, Lumati. I will pledge you my word. No, Nehru, I implore you, no, no, I, Nehru, Supreme Chief of the Incarnation, have spoken. You
2: have spoken well, O Chief. Nehru, this is the ruse.
1: I tell you, that
2: voice is coming from
1: the balcony. Wait, I shall show you. It is one of the fight men.
4: Stay where you are, Lumati, if
5: you value your life.
1: Lumati, we have not to lose. I will give you all voice until the sun rises on the morrow to accomplish the miracle of creating a river. If within that time you fail... All the whites shall perish.
6: I
4: accept, Nero. Now you must do one thing. Disperse the guard
2: in the courtyard so that I may be free to work this miracle unhampered. You
1: see, Nero, it is a trick. A trick to leave the palace unguarded so that... Enough, enough, Remarkey. Nero has given his word. The request to dismiss the guard is a reasonable one. Give the signal for dismissal. Strike the gong. Do as I say. Strike it
2: is bruce successful kent speeds back to join editor white jimmy olsen lois lane and john craig the american engineer on the bank of the rushing stream that runs underground through the valley of shadows. with only a few hours in which to create a river for the incas kent's responsibility is great on route to rejoin his friends he ponders Shall he, as Superman, alone make quick work of accomplishing the miracle, or is it best to do it another way? Finally, he reaches a decision. Fearful lest in his haste he might create a river that would overflow the Inca city, Kent decides to enlist the engineering skill of John Craig. Returning to the riverbank, he finds Terry White and Lois both too exhausted to move. Leaving them to regain their strength, Kent, Jimmy, and Craig retrace the underground course of the river to the giant waterfall. Now, there's the waterfall straight ahead of us. Let's get this straight, Kent. As I understand it, we have until tomorrow morning to divert the course of this underground river so that it flows by the intercity.
8: That's right. The deal with Nehru is that in return for creating a river which his people want so badly, all of us, including the engineers, will be escorted to safety and the trans Highway can
2: go through without further trouble.
9: That's a wonderful bargain.
2: All we have to do now is perform a miracle.
8: Say, Mr. Kent, hmm? how'd you ever get to talk to Nehru without his calling the guards? Well, Nehru never saw me. Gosh, shall come? Well, you know how high ceiling that council room is. Sure, I remember. There's a balcony at one end of it.
2: Yes, the balcony was screened by a gorgeous curtain woven of gold and silver thread. Yeah,
8: I remember that, too. Correct, both of you. Well, I remained hidden behind that curtain on the balcony. Fooled him completely. Gee. Well, here's the waterfall where the underground river begins.
4: Curious phenomenon, isn't it?
8: I'll say it is. And very unpleasant to be tossed into, I know. Now, Mr. Craig, here's our engineering problem. As you can see, the water thunders into that huge hole and then flows underground for two miles and
2: comes to the surface where Lois and Mr. White are now.
10: And our job is to bring it up above ground and divert
2: its flow so that it passes close by the Inca City. Right.
8: Holly, I can't see how we can do that.
2: Nor can I at the moment. Oh, surely Mr. Craig, an engineer shouldn't be stumped by this problem. Well, maybe not, Kent. But I admit that right now I can't figure out anything that would accomplish what we want with the
9: tools at our
4: disposal. Gosh, then we'll lick. Oh, wait, not so fast, Jimmy. Mr. Craig, a chance
8: to study this problem.
9: I ah, can't. I'm sorry to let you down like this.
8: And I'm afraid your confidence in me isn't justified.
2: Well, I think it is. I know your reputation as an engineer. Well, that's all very well, but as I said, we have no tools to work with. Diverting a riverbed is in itself a simple problem, Kit. Done every day all over the world.
8: Well, why can't with... we do it? Well, if you need someone to help dig or something like that, I'm willing to help. Well, I'm
2: sure you are, Jimmy, but that isn't all. We just lack like everything proper tools, and most of all, explosives.
9: Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that
2: Of course, explosives are very important In fact, indispensable
8: Say, wait a minute Explosives? You mean dynamite?
11: That's right, Jimmy
8: Jimmy, it just dawned on me I just remembered Remembered what? I know, the dynamite the Inca warriors took out of the plane Yes. Yeah. dynamite out of the plane What plane? Mr. White's plane He brought a few cases of dynamite down here with him. Sure, he thought maybe he'd have to use it to rescue you engineers if you were trapped in a canyon or something. Well, that's wonderful. Where is it now? Well, that's
4: that's what we've got to find
8: out. I think I know. You remember when those warriors captured us and brought us up here? They took a lot of stuff out of the plane and carried it through the tunnel. Uh huh that's right. Well, the two Indians who were carrying the dynamite were walking right in front of Mr. Bronson and me. And I think I remember where they put it. Where? They put it in a small room off the tunnel about halfway from the exit.
2: Kent, there's the
9: answer to our problem
4: and our prayers.
9: If we can get that dynamite, I'll show you how to divert this river. Oh, we're getting someplace.
4: I'll get that dynamite.
9: You better get into the tunnel first. Oh, don't you worry
4: about that. I'll manage it somehow. You and Jimmy go back to Mr. White and Lois. I'll join you as soon as I get the dynamite. Okay. Oh,
8: but Mr. Kent, you lose a lot of time looking for it. I know just where it is. Don't you think I'd better go along with you?
4: Well, all right, Jimmy. That may be a good idea. Come along.
2: See you later, Craig. Right. I'll be all set when you get back.
8: Charlie, hammering a rock against that stone tunnel door isn't doing any good. I don't know, nobody seems to answer. I wonder what happened to Seba, uh, the gatekeeper. He's probably asleep at the switch. Well, this is no time for jokes, Jim. Mm, still no answer. Say, hey, do you think maybe there's a signal like a certain number of knocks? Could be, Jim. Wait. Last time I was here, the guard waved a torch four times, and then that big rock door rolled open. Let's try four knocks. Can't lose anything. All right, you are. Here goes. Nothing's happened yet. Look. It's beginning to open. Look. Hey, see? Yep. Those four knocks must have been the right. Oh, Mr. King. What's the matter, Jim? Look what's in the tunnel. We're sunk.
2: What has Jimmy seen in the half-darkness of the mountain tunnel? Is it something that will prevent them from getting the dynamite? Things are rushing to a startling climax, so don't miss a single episode. Tune in and listen with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode
9: with Superman.
3: Look, up in the sky. It's
9: a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman.
3: Superman.
2: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine.
7: Behold, oh, My process! Ooh, yeah,
0: let me tell you something right here, aha! Uh-huh. It's the Loop Great Subscription Box, yeah, for an exclusive loop on surprises known to you door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, Daddy! ha uh-huh. <laughs> ha!
3: From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX Collectible Boxes, dude! Calabunga To the Loot Gaming Video Game Box! Woohoo! Yeehoo!
0: To the Loot
7: Crate
0: Box! What's with today, huh? you're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman.
11: Presenting
2: the transcription feature, Superman.
3: Look, up in the sky. It's a
2: bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Superman strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. As you remember, Clark Kent entered into an agreement with Nehru, supreme leader of the Inca Indians, to bring their subterranean river above ground. Knowing full well that he could, as Superman, bring the river above ground without trouble, but unwilling to run the risk of flooding the Inca city in the event the rushing torrent should get out of hand, he discussed the problem with John Craig, one of the American engineers. Craig said that dynamite would be necessary. Remembering that the Indians had removed two cases of dynamite from Perry White's plane and hidden it in the mountain tunnel, Jimmy Olsen was certain he could show Kent where it was stored. Together, they approached the tunnel. Wrapping on the stone door, they stepped back as it swung open slowly. Suddenly, Jimmy turned pale.
8: Look, Mr. Kent. What is it, Jimmy? Look, warriors. The tunnel's filled with them. Let's get out of here.
4: It's no use. They've seen us.
8: Besides, we've got to get that dynamite. Oh, please, Mr. Kent. They tried to get rid of me once before. Oh, that's a point in our favor. They think we're both dead. And look, the leader of those men is Siba, the gatekeeper.
4: Jimmy, watch this.
9: Siba! Siba, the gatekeeper! Who are you?
2: Look at me, Siba. Look into my face. Do you not recognize me?
3: No. It cannot be. You are dead. You well, I saw you leap over the cliff like a man possessed. Boy! You are right, Siba.
2: But I have returned. The gods of the river have sent me back. They have given me a mission. They don't understand. Tell them, Siba. Tell them I have come from the gods of the river.
3: They believe it. Look, Jimmy, they're drawing back. Uh, what is it you wish, spirits?
2: I wish nothing, Seba. But the gods of the river are waiting for two boxes which the white men brought with them. It is a sacrifice. I
3: know not your boxes.
2: The gods of the river do not lie. They have
3: told me where to find them. Come then and get them. Don't, Mr. Kent. It's a trick. Don't go. all right, Jimmy. They're frightened. Siva,
2: tell the men to clear the entrance. Tell them to stand close to the walls. He who draws near us will die. So say the gods of the river.
3: Tell them, Siva. All
4: right, Jimmy. They've opened a path.
3: Come on.
2: Stand aside, Siva. Tell them not to move.
3: Mount Which
8: way, Jimmy? When we come to the car, that... They... All right, turn here. Dynamite's behind one of the doors on the right-hand side. Keep going. you sure you remember? I think so. There. Try that door. All right. I hope it's open. It is. Good work, Jimmy. There are the box. I'll carry one. No, you won't. You take the torch. I can carry both of them. There. One under each arm. All right, Jim. Lead the way. Here comes the hard part,
4: getting out. I don't like this. They look suspicious.
2: Tell the warriors to stand back, Tiba. We must bring these boxes to the gods of the river.
3: Uh, the warriors do not believe that you are spirits. They would have proof that you are sent by the gods of the river. Have you told them that I am one
5: who has returned from the shadows?
3: I have, but they say I am an old man with eyes that do not see. Perhaps I am. Prove it, then. Prove that you were sent by the gods. Okay, what do we do? How can we the Don't worry, Jimmy. I have an idea. Eva, Have you ever seen the gods of the river hurl thunderbolts? No, but
2: I
8: have heard them. Then watch. Tell the warriors to watch. Here is your proof. What are you going to do? There's a stick of
5: dynamite. I'll open this box. You <coughs> the waste one. Right, come on, Jimmy. I'm going to toss it outside of the tunnel so no one gets hurt. No. Go no further. Would you stand in the way of a thunderbolt fool? All right, Jimmy. I'll ask you.
2: Here's your crew, Steve. Terror-stricken by the thunderbolt bursting outside the tunnel, the Inca warriors drop to their knees as Kent and Jimmy walk unmolested through the open door. An hour later, Kent, White, Jimmy, and Craig, the engineer, stand near the underground river.
8: Well, now that we have the dynamite, Mr. Craig, how do we proceed?
2: May be impossible to make use of it.
8: Well, that's a nice how-do-you-do. Well, why
2: can't the dynamite be used, Craig? It must be set off inside the passage, Mr. White. No man alive could swim underground against that current and set off dynamite charges. We haven't any discharge mechanism, nothing but short fuses. And you can't just toss the dynamite into the water, or else the river will run high, wide, and handsome. Well, where would the dynamite have to be placed to send the water in the right direction, Mr. Craig? We don't want to flood the city you know. About 100 yards inside the passage. The explosion will tear open the entire surface of the passage. And if the terrific impact of the water is checked for an instant, the whole mass of the falls will plunge into the valley. And supposing it isn't checked? It may just swerve off course and flood the city. I don't know what all this discussion's about. There isn't a ghost of a chance of getting the dynamite in there, let alone setting it off.
8: Oh, well. Uh, Let's talk about it in the morning, huh? I'm dead tired. Well, there's plenty of soft moss back here. It's a swell place to sleep. Oh, all right. It's a good idea. We can all use a little rest.
6: As
2: the deep curtain of night falls on the exhausted little group of people, a tall, familiar figure rises from among them. Silently, he gazes at the sleeping faces, and then reaches down and picks up two square boxes. He walks a short distance out of sight, and then suddenly he leaps into the air. Carrying the dynamite with him, flies downward over the underground river. Yes, armed with the knowledge he wanted, Superman is undertaking a task greater than any Hercules ever dreamed of. Quickly judging a hundred yards with his keen eyes, he swoops to earth. Let's watch him. Now, to tear through this earth and bedrock to plant the dynamite... Here goes. Ah. Ah. Oh, this is much deeper than I suspected. Ah. Granite is pretty tough. Ah. Ah. Through. All right. Now to plant this dynamite. I have to be careful not to drop it into the river as I climb down. There we are force it into this crevice here. That's good. Now, here go the fuses. So, it will be better to watch from above.
3: Up, up, and away!
2: Ah, there she goes. Look at it. Must have spurted a mile into the air. Huh, wait. The falls are split. A river is starting towards the city.
3: down. Down!
2: Thousands of lives at stake if the sweeping torrent rushes down to the Inca City. But watch Superman. He charges toward the falls and smashes into the rock underneath them. He must cut off the second river that forms. Millions of gallons of water are pounding over him as he braces his shoulder against the rock. If he can push it over, the rivers will be joined. The rocks shake. They're giving way. There they go. The rivers are flowing together, running together above the earth It's one river now, one river And it's flowing from the valley of the shadow.
1: Well, here is your river, Nero Peaceful and rather pretty I can hardly believe it After 400 years And now it is here How did you do it? That's what I want to know, Camp
2: I don't mind saying, I'd like to know too This is the first real engineering miracle I've ever witnessed. You gave me the plan, Mr. Craig. You deserve the credit. I simply found a hole and lowered the dynamite down. The rest happened just as you predicted.
1: You have forgotten, perhaps, that you are still wearing the jewel that turns yellow when you do not speak the truth. Look, it's yellow now. (laughs) Here, Nero, take it back and keep it. It's a troublemaker. You haven't forgotten your promise, I hope. No, I have not. You will all be led to safety. We, the Incarnation, will never interfere with the highway you wish to build through the Andes. Well, well, uh, what are we standing around for?
2: Come on, let's get back to the plane, back to the States. Uh, what are you, mine engineers, going to do, Craig? We're going to stay in the Andes and finish the work we started, with Nehru's help. Well, come on, then. Lois is waiting at the plane.
1: Francis is there, too.
2: What place are you standing around for? Why, they pick in the Calling Washington, Official 177. Calling Washington, Official 177.
9: Come in, please. Official 177, standing by.
2: Clark Kent reporting. Mystery solved. All engineers safe. Proceed with plans for the Trans Hemisphere Highway. And so, with another important job done, Superman returns to the United States. The highway will be built. Another link in the chain of America's vital defenses will be welded. But the mighty work of defending the democracies of the Western Hemisphere is not done. That work must go on, and Superman will lend his strength, his courage, and his intelligence again and again. The fury of the war increases, and Superman will play his part. There are exciting times and exciting adventures ahead, so tune in and listen with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman.
3: Look, up in the sky. It's
2: a bird. It's a plane.
3: It's Superman.
2: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine
0: you're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's
7: Superman.
2: Presenting the transcription feature, Superman.
3: Look, up in the sky. It's a
9: bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's
2: Superman strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, Listen. And now to our story. Having returned from a perilous adventure with the lost nation of the Inca Indians, Clark Kent, in reality Superman, has again been enlisted by the government to aid in the all-out battle for freedom. But this time, Kent's assignment is cloaked in secrecy. Only one man knows of his appointment as a special agent in the espionage division of the Secret Service. And that man is Terry White, editor of the Daily Planet. There are sinister forces at work, forces seeking to undermine and destroy the industries vital to the defense of our nation. Like venomous snakes, they strike in the shadow darkness. A boat sinks at its dock. An explosion wrecks the munitions plant. A deadly fire levels an entire shipyard. And the paid enemies of freedom have struck from within. To wipe them out is Clark Kent's job, but even he has no idea of what is in store for him. Even he is unaware that for one. The amazing powers of Superman are going to be put to a test. Our story begins behind the gray stone walls of the state prison. In a corner of the electrical shop, two men are bent over an electric motor, pretending to repair it. The older of the two is a man Clark Kent exposed and sent to jail. The international criminal known throughout the world as the Yellow Mask. Momentarily, his steel gray eyes shift to the armed prison guard standing at the door. Motioning his companion closer... The yellow mask speaks.
11: Two minutes ago. You sure everything's ready? Yeah. Where's the gun? In my shirt. Let me have it. Be careful. Keep your back to the guard. Ready? Okay.
5: The, the guard's coming over.
11: Do something, you fool. Pick up the screwdriver. Well, how about us, you guys? Ain't that motor fixed yet? It will be in a couple of minutes.
9: All well, right. Stop gabbing now and finish it. We will in a couple of minutes.
11: I sure thought he had the finger on it. I'll do all the thinking. You just follow orders. Why did you have to keep repeating about the couple of minutes?
7: I
10: got the shakes listening
11: to you. I always tell the truth. Everything will be finished in a couple of minutes, including the guard. Keep working that screwdriver. Okay. And if it comes again, try not to shake. You're a cool one. You got ice water for blood. No, I've got brains this war started, they'd look for me. Hella's no fool. That the guy got the gun too? Heller? Yeah. Hardly. He wouldn't list his precious neck. Not Hella. He's too smart. Who is this guy, Heller? You'll find out, I hope. Now, that's not talk. Thirty seconds to go. You remember what you to do? Yeah. Yeah, you start the motor. And I yell like I caught my hand in a flywheel. Make it look good. We've got to get the guard over so I can let him have it. I
1: thought you said shoot no shooting.
11: There won't be unless I can't help it. you will get the gun butt. Ten seconds. Get ready. Okay. Five seconds. Make it good. Yeah,
7: yeah, I will.
11: All right, here it goes. I'm turning it on.
3: Hey, hey, what's going on
9: here? He's heard. He, he caught his hand on the flywheel. Oh, yeah? Yes, and so will
11: you be. Oh.
3: Quiet. Quiet! Quiet,
9: everyone!
11: Keep those machines running and block the door. I'm making a break. I'm
9: Quiet! A... Yeah, yeah. I'm
11: sorry, but it wasn't planned that way. Get that acetylene torch, Busty. Okay. Look on the window bar, sorry.
9: Why can't we break with you? I said I'm sorry.
11: None of us would stand a chance. Stand back. Don't make a sound.
9: Open up in there.
11: How's it coming, Lusty? Okay. Only three more. Open
9: up or we'll drill the lock.
11: Get down, all of you. There may be shooting. She's wide open. Pull the bar to burn through.
3: Good. This is your last chance. We've got machine guns. We're going to look ahead and
11: look open up. All right, Lusty. Step back from the window. What do you mean? I'm going with you. Sorry, Rusty. I'm not carrying baggage. Hey, this wait is... a minute. You heard what I said. Step back from the window.
3: Can't be long, Bill. I'll have to be going. So long, Rusty. You dirty, low-down stick, and not yet!
2: Tri-state alarm, order 33B. Check all roads, terminals, and stations for a man known as Yellow Mask, escaped from state prison 422 22 p.m. Age 48, height 5 feet 7 inches, weight 150 pounds, iron-gray hair,
3: gray eyes,
2: small scar on upper lip, armed with revolver, dangerous. I will repeat, official, tri-state alarm, order 33B. Check all roads, terminals,
7: stations. This is Don Carey, bringing you the latest up-to-the-minute news.
2: As darkness falls over the eastern seaboard, the greatest manhunt in the history of the police department is taking place. Three hours ago, the international criminal, known throughout the world as the Yellow Mask, made a daring escape from the state prison. Thus far, his whereabouts are unknown. But the police of five states have laid a giant dragnet and expect to announce his recapture shortly.
9: Fight a x Yellow mass the dead for me! here. Yellow
2: Come in, Kent. Close the door. Any news? Not a thing, Mr. White. Seems to have vanished into thin air. I just spoke to the warden. The car that was waiting for him outside the prison carried phony license plates. Mm, you'd imagine we didn't have enough to worry about. and Now this has to happen. The yellow mask floating around those. Yeah. You remember how he almost blew up the Daily Planet building? How could I forget? He's a smart potato, Kent. Smart and ruthless. When they send him up, he swore he'd get you someday. I know. Maybe I'd better call the commissioner and arrange for a police escort until they nab him. No, that's not necessary, Mr. White. I can take care of myself. And anyway, if he does get through the dragnet, he'll have to lay low for a long time. There's no telling of that, bird. He's bad business. Do they know how he got the gun? Oh, yes, I forgot that. It was smuggled into one of the other prisoners, a life-termer named Rusty Wallace. The mask was supposed to take Wallace with him, but at the last moment he changed his mind. Wallace claims a man named Heller sent the gun. Heller? Yeah. Who's Heller? Who well, no, the police aren't sure yet, they check checking. There's uh, Max Heller, listed in
4: the FBI
2: files as a foreign agent. Hmm. He was deported two years ago for alien activities, and there's no record of his having returned to the country. Hmm. Foreign agent, eh? Well, if it's the same color. I wouldn't be a bit surprised, Kent. An espionage should be right up the Yellow mast alley. Can you imagine what damage a man like that could do with his twisted mind?
9: Well, I wouldn't worry too much, Mr.
2: White. The police will get him. It may be tough if he has outside help. Weeks can go by before they can catch up with him. And that's time enough to do a lot of damage. Right here in Metropolis alone, there are three munition plants, two airplane factories, and a dozen other vital defense industries. He's got to be tracked down, Kent. There's no telling where he'll strike first. No, I'll take it. Very light speaking. Huh? Oh, just a minute. See you can? Oh, oh thanks. Hello.
11: Greetings, Mr. Kent. Now,
2: uh, who is this?
11: Don't you recognize my dulcet voice?
2: Well, I'm sorry I don't.
11: That petty fontly has changed, and you might have heard it. Think hard, Mr.
2: Kent. Who is this?
11: your temper, Mr. Kent? It doesn't pay. You're a dull tonight, aren't you Now, look here. If you think Just I got... it, Mr. Kent. I'd better tell you who I am. Brace yourself. Steady. Yellow red. The yellow mask. No. Are you still with me, Mr. Kent? Or was the sharp too much?
2: I'm still with you. But <laughs> Where are you, Mas?
11: Wouldn't you like to know, Mr. Kent? you and the police. Well, you, uh, you hardly
2: expect to get away with that prison break,
7: mask.
11: That's asking a little too much. It's ten o'clock, Mr. Kent. I've gotten away with it for six hours. But that's not what I call I want you to know that I haven't forgotten. I owe a little debt to you and Miss Lane and Mr. White. I'm going to pay that debt one of the
2: first
11: things I do. i all being
2: Trace, Mr. I... Are you listening, Mr.
11: Kent? I'm listening. Good. In a few moments, the Daily Planet building will go dark. The lights will go out, the presses will stop, and something very interesting will happen. It's a little surprise I've been planning for you, Mr. Chen. A pleasant little surprise. I hope you like it. Goodbye.
1: You're yeah. <coughs>
4: you trace it yet, Mr. White? Oh,
2: not yet. Operator. Operator. For the love of it. Huh? Oh, yes. Yes, okay. Thanks. He called from Metropolis 4800. we better notify the police. They can check the number and... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What was that number? Metropolis 4800. Are you sure, Mr. White? What do you mean, am I sure? Do you think I'm deaf? But Metropolis 4800 is our number, the number of the daily planet. What? Great Scott. Kent, what does that mean? Means he called from somewhere in this building. No, no, Kent. That couldn't be. It couldn't I be. Take it easy, Mr. White. I'm afraid that's what it is. He's somewhere in the Daily Planet building. What? And we've got him trapped. I'll have every door locked. Call the police. Kent, we've. <coughs> hey, hey, what's happened to the lights? Kent, who turned the lights out? The yellow mask. Come on, we're in trouble with the police of five states searching for him the yellow mask seeking vengeance is hidden somewhere in the darkness of the daily planet building what will his next move be? can Kent even as Superman track him down? don't miss a single thrilling episode of this adventure be with us again when Max Heller foreign agent and the yellow mask join hands in an attempt to wreck American defense tune in and listen with Superman don't forget Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman.
3: Look up in the sky.
2: A bird. It's a plane.
3: It's Superman.
2: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics
10: magazine.
0: You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature
9: Superman.
3: Look up in the sky. It's
9: a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman.
2: Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth
5: and justice.
2: But before we join Superman, listen... And now to our story. When the yellow mask, a notorious international criminal, escaped from prison, Clark Kent and editor Perry White knew there'd be trouble, for it was Kent who had put the mask behind bars. But neither of them fully realized the extent of their danger until a telephone call revealed that the mask had eluded the police and was hidden somewhere in the Daily Planet building seeking revenge. Suddenly, the lights went out, the presses stopped, and the huge 30-story skyscraper was thrown into confused darkness. Leaving White's office, Kent raced down the hall to the elevators. In a moment, his street clothes gave way to the flaming red cape and blue costume of Superman. Ripping open one of the elevator doors, he was about to dive down the shaft when he noticed a car trapped some ten floors below. A moment's hesitation, and then he reached for the steel cable. Only one way to clear this shaft so I can get down to the basement where that main switch was thrown, and that's to lift the car above this floor. Here goes. These elevator cars must weigh ten tons coming slowly but surely somebody's gonna be surprised when they see all this steel cable twisted up on the floor just a few feet more to go
7: there
2: that does it now i can crawl under the car first i better tie this cable to something so she doesn't drop no wait i won't have to the safety lock's holding it that saves time now to crawl under and down there, now, there must be a door leading out of the bottom of this shaft Yes, here it is. In time to force the lock, I'll have to break through it. Now, let's see where we are. I don't know my way around this basement as well as I should. Wait. Strange odor down here. Great, Scott, it's gas. Now I know what the mask meant when he said he had a surprise for us. He opened the valve on the gas main. If someone comes down here and strikes a match, this whole building will blow up. Got to find that valve somehow. <coughs> getting stronger. It must be somewhere near the gas, main. Good thing my lungs can take this stuff.
5: What's that? Someone's trapped down here, suffocating.
2: Where are you? Speak up. I'm coming. All right, I'll get you out of this. There we are. Just a minute, we'll get some fresh air into your lungs. let's see. That door should lead to an alley. Ah, it does. There. There we are. That's better, isn't it? Oh. That's it. Breathe deeply. You're the night watchman, aren't you?
7: That was something behind when I, when I came to that car. Ah, just, take it easy.
2: Take it easy. <laughs> Sit here for a while. I'm going back to find the open valve.
7: Yeah. Uh, two men uh, burn his robot. What? Get him
2: out. Gas reaches the off. Where is it? Got to turn it off first. Where is the gas main? Yeah, the red pipe overhead. Red pipe? Follow it. You'll see a valve. Uh, what's that? Explosion.
7: Furnace room.
2: You stay here. I'll be back. Said there were two men in the furnace room. The boilers blew up. I'm afraid I'm too late. Oh, I can see flames. Burning oil. Oh. Room's an inferno. If those flames spread. This building is doomed. I've got to get those men out first. Ah, there they are. On the floor. Their clothes are on fire. Here goes. Oh. Heat is terrific. Even I can feel it. I got them? How to get out through that wall of fire? Ah, they're badly burned, but still alive. I'll take them out to the watchman. He can call an ambulance while I look for that valve.
7: Oh, you got
3: them out, eh?
2: oh, dead? No, but they need medical attention. Get an ambulance or a doctor right away. I've got to shut off that gas. They don't go
3: in there again. I'll blow up the men. I'll be all see. Right. Hey, Mr., you're crazy. You can blow up the
2: Red pipe. overhead. See now. Yes, there it is. Now, he said to follow it. Follow it. The valve must be near the furnace room.
5: Another gas pocket went up. Wait. I hear hissing. That must be the valve. It is. Oh, <coughs> yes, it's pouring out. Must turn this way to the right.
3: Yes. There. Does it.
2: There. It's off. Now to try and put out that blaze in the furnace room. Uh-oh. Sounds like fire engines. They'll be able to take care of this with a few small extinguishers. Now I've got to find Curry White. As Kent returns to the editorial offices of the Daily Planet, a strange scene is taking place in the sumptuous penthouse of a fashionable apartment building overlooking the city. The yellow mask, no longer garbed in drab prison clothes, stands at a window peering through high-powered night binoculars trained on the illuminated clock of the Daily Planet tower. Behind him, seated in a chair, is a middle-aged man with close-cropped, sandy-colored hair, thin lips and greenish eyes with pupils like shoe buttons. He frowns impatiently, flicks the ashes of his cigarette into a silver
6: tray, and then speaks. You're wasting your time staring out of that window, mine here. Why do you bother with such inconsequential things?
11: Have you never heard of revenge, Howard?
6: I should like you to remember that I risked everything to effect your release from prison. It was not done so you could waste your time and energies with unimportant people. You agreed to devote all your efforts to the cause. Is that not true?
11: For some reason or other, my pretty little scheme to blow the planet building sky high in this fire. It's still there. Well, some other time.
6: Now, what were you saying, Helen? Simply that I will require your undivided attention. I did not risk everything so that you might revenge yourself on a stupid newspaper man. He's far from stupid. You don't know Kent. What was that name? Kent. Clark Kent. The name has a familiar ring. Wait. Strauss. yeah Bring to me is the latest pile of American operatives. yeah I wonder.
11: You haven't missed a trick, have you? Communicating phones, filing systems, every modern convenience.
6: We cannot afford, as you say, to miss a trick. There's too much at stake. Uh, thank you, Strauss. Now let us see... Here's a list of newly appointed secret service operatives. How did you get it? The obligation means to get everything. All that it requires is time, money, and brains. The cause possesses all three. Here, let me read this list of names. Anderson, Adams, Black, Darrow, Frost, Houston, Long, McGuire... No, the name Kent is not here. Well, what makes you think he has anything to do with the Secret Service? He's a newspaper reporter. I seem to remember it, and my memory never fails me. Oh, wait, here's a special notation. I knew I was right. Listen. Appointed as operative at large under sealed Lotus, Clark Kent. When was the appointment made? Let me see. Here it is. Four days ago. He has not long been on the job. We'd better watch him, Heller. He's dangerous. Don't worry. They are all watched. They're all dangerous. But now let us discuss business. You know, of course, why we require your services. Yes. You think I'm valuable. That and more. We are aware of the existence in this country of an amazing invention. A steel Frankenstein. A robot made of metal known as... The mechanical man.
11: This is all news to me. You seem to forget I've been behind bars for two years. No matter.
6: This mechanical man exists. We have seen it. We have offered a fabulous sum. Not only for the model, but for the design. Our offers have been refused. We must have the steel monster and many like him. Why? I shall tell you why.
5: Because it is our job to instill fear. Out of fear will come panic. And out of panic will come weakness. That is the formula
11: of our success. This mechanical man,
5: how does it work? Almost with human instinct. Controlled by special radio, it can fly like an airship. Walk upright like a man. And spread destructions on all sides.
7: Yeah.
5: Just ten feet tall. A giant fashioned of steel plates on the maze of wires. Picture it, my dear. You press a button... Turn a switch, and this steel giant turtles through the air in any direction you may choose. A ah, shipyard, perhaps. There are the incendiary bombs he carries in his massive hands. We'll consume everything in flames. A munition strategy, you say. Ah. One stick of dynamite. And it is enough. But there is something else. The fear of which I spoke. Yes. Imagine if you can. This towering monster lies the streets the city. Children will scream, women will faint, and strong men will seek shelter. Where is this mechanical man? Why hasn't this government taken it over? Why? Because they are fools. The use of this monster they regard as, as inhuman. It is not honorable. In war, there is no honor. Ah, but we will take advantage of this stupidity. You will go to the man who has created this steel weapon as a representative of the American government. You will have all the credentials. When do I start? In the morning. It's midnight.
6: The best attire. There's important work to be done tomorrow. We cannot fail. I'll
2: Joined by the one man whose diabolical mind matches his own, Max Heller plots to gain possession of a weapon capable of horror beyond all belief. Will the yellow mask, shrewd and cunning, be able to get the mechanical man? Who owns this steel monster and where is it? There's excitement ahead, so don't miss a single episode. Tune in and listen with Superman. Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman.
3: Look, up in the sky. It's
2: a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine.
0: I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater.
2: Presenting the transcription feature, Superman!
3: Look, up in the sky! It's
9: a bird! It's a plane!
3: It's Superman! Yes,
9: it's Superman!
2: Superman! Trained visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. With the help of Max Heller, a foreign agent, the Yellow Mask international criminal escaped from the state prison. Seeking revenge from Clark Kent because Kent and the Daily Planet were responsible for putting him behind bars, the mask opened a gas main valve in the basement of the newspaper building and almost succeeded in blowing up the 30-story skyscraper. But Kent, as Superman, stopped the flow of deadly gas before the damage was too great. Meanwhile, the mask is hiding out in the penthouse apartment of the espionage ring led by Heller. There, the foreign agent tells him what is wanted of him. An American has perfected an amazing mechanical man. A huge, giant-like creature of steel and wires, radio controls, and capable of everything but force. Heller wants this metal monster no matter what the cost. It spread fear and panic and destruction. The mask, posing as a government representative, is to get it for him. Unmindful that the police of five states are looking for him, with orders to bring him in, dead or alive, the mask, armed with forged credentials, has gained access to the huge barn-like laboratory of Wallace Thornton, inventor of the mechanical man. At one end of the high ceilinged room, the metal monster stands upright, the steel plates of its mammoth body gleaming of the strong lights, its arms dangling like those of a giant gorilla. Its head is a square steel box with a glowing red lamps for eyes. Suddenly, as Thornton twists the dial on the control board, the steel body shudders and the mechanical man walks forward slowly.
11: It's amazing, Mr. Thornton. Simply
10: amazing. I'm sorry. I can't fully demonstrate its abilities. The war department has asked me not to remove it from this room. I understand it's capable of radio-controlled flight. Yes, the steel plates along the sides of the body open to form wings. A collapsed propeller is hidden in the top of its head. That's its one drawback, its vulnerability. Oh, what do you mean? If, for any reason, the propeller is damaged while the robot is in flight, it will crash to Earth out of control. I'd be inclined to
11: regard that as a very minor drawback, Mr. Thornton. Planes are no different. Quite true. Now, as I mentioned before, the government has reconsidered its original stand in the matter of taking over your mechanical man. Price, of course, is not a factor. It
10: was never a matter of price. I want no money. If the mechanical man can in any way aid our war effort, I shall feel amply repaid. I can
11: take the blueprints with me now. Arrangements can be made to pick up the working model this afternoon.
10: I shall have to communicate with Major Nichols of the war department before releasing anything to you. Oh, that isn't
11: at all necessary, Mr. Thornton. I represent the government. You've seen my
10: credentials. Yes, but I should like Major Nichols' assurance that. That what? Well, that everything is official. I can't afford to take that chance. Oh, you would be taking any chances. Certainly, my credentials
11: should be sufficient proof. Now, come, Mr. Thornton, don't be overcautious. The War Department is anxious to begin work on duplicates of your model. I must bring the blueprints back with me. Would there be any harm if I called Major Nichols? There isn't time. I'm due in Washington at three o'clock. I must leave
10: immediately. May I have the blueprints? I should like to try and contact Major Nichols first. I'm sorry to have to do this, but we're at war and extreme caution is essential. I'll call him from this phone. It won't take but a moment. Excuse me. Long distance, please. Calling Washington, D.C. Put that phone down, Mr. Thornton. Hang up. Why, uh, never mind the
11: call, operator. That's better. Now back away from the desk. Why are you pointing a gun at me? Don't ask foolish questions and you get no foolish answers. Where are the blueprints? You hardly expect me to tell you now that you've revealed your true colors. Not only do I expect you to tell me, but I want the information fast. Your suspicions were justified. The government isn't interested in your mechanical man, but my people are. Who are your people? Never mind. Open that safe. I'm not accustomed to taking orders at the point of a gun. I don't react very well to them. Now listen, Thornton. I'm a desperate man. I escaped from prison less than 24 hours ago. The police are looking for me now. They'll have to kill me to get me. You understand? Perfectly. Then open the safe. No. I'm warning you, Thornton. I've killed in cold blood before, and I can do it again. Maybe it might help if I told you who I am. They call me the Yellow Mask.
10: The Yellow is in the wrong place. Actually, it's running up and down your back. Why, you folks? No. No, I need you
11: for the time being, but I'll remember that. Now, put your hands behind your back. Turn Turn around. This piece of wire will make a nice bracelet for your wrist. Well, not too tight, I hope. You're wasting your time. I'll worry about that. Just keep your mouth shut. It's been a long time since I opened the safe, but this one doesn't look too tough. The blueprints aren't in the safe. We'll see. Now, don't try anything, Thornton. I'll let you have it. Look at Now, let's listen to these tumblers. Not too bad. Watch me, Thornton. Maybe you can learn something.
10: You think I'd be fool enough to leave those blueprints in that antiquated safe? Shut up.
11: There. That's number one. Not that, eh? I haven't lost the magic touch.
10: There's nothing in the safe but some old insurance policies.
11: Fine. I like old insurance policies. Then keep Quiet. Number two. One more should open it. You're getting nervous, Thornton? Nervous? (laughs) Why should I be nervous? I'll show you why in a moment. Just watch. Unless I miss my guess, that opens it. Now, let's see. It does... What were you saying about insurance policies, Thornton? This looks like a roll of blueprints. They seem to be marked, too. Plans and design for radio control robots. Just what I was looking for. Coincidence, isn't
10: it? All right. You win. Now, will you untie my wrist, please? The wire is cutting into my skin. I think not. You're better off that way. But you have the plans. What more do you want? Certainly, I can do you no harm. Not while your finger is on the trigger of that gun. You seem to forget. I
11: have to make a safe getaway, or else these blueprints of no value. That telephone is much too handy. In fact, I'll trust you up properly before I leave. Not a piece of wire for your ankles and a gag for your mouth. Where are you going? Keep
10: away from my control board, Thornton. It's too late now. The mechanical man can't be stopped. No!
3: No! Stop him!
10: Not a chance. He'll walk right through that wall.
11: Stop him! Stop that monster! Stop him! <laughs> you ask for this! Oh! oh well, there must be
1: one of these. That doesn't do it. Neither does this.
11: Maybe these switches. No. No, he's still coming. i better get out of here before it's too late. There's no stopping in
2: Flashing through the wooden side of the building, the mechanical man, driven by the radio impulse from the control panel, marches on like a giant specter, its blood-red eyes flashing, its long, jointed arms swinging at its side. Crossing the yard, it flattens an iron fence as though it were cardboard and heads for the highway. A passing motorist, seeing the steel monster bearing down on him, turns white and jams the gas pedal to the floor. Across the road, a woman sweeping her front porch looks up, screams, and drops in a dead faint. And still, the huge, towering creature from another world floods on, senseless, brainless, but alive, mowing down everything in its path, sending terrified children flying into their homes, draining the color from men's faces. Like wildfire, the news travels, telephones jangle. hoarse voices repeat the warning over and over again. Mechanical man! Mechanical man! Mechanical man! Mechanical man. And in the office of Terry White, editor of the Daily Planet, Clark Kent and Lois Lane stand by as their volcanic chief barks into a telephone. Oh, for the love of heaven, leave talk sense. What do you mean, mechanical man? Yes, yes, I know. He's ten feet tall with red eyes and... What? Do I think you're crazy? I'm sure of it. Now, listen to me. This isn't April Fool's Day. And even if it was, I don't like that kind of humor. You can't turn in legitimate stories get yourself a job digging ditches. And another thing. Now, hold on a minute. Oh, I uh, can't. What did that boy bring in? A teletype flash. Listen. Giant mechanical man, terrifying residents of Linwood, metropolis suburb. What?
3: Then it's true.
2: Is that all it says? Yes, it's just a flash. Oh, uh, Leeds, we just got a teletype flash here. Uh, well, uh, maybe you're right. Uh, what about? Why, the mechanical man, you idiot. Now listen to me. Where was it last seen? Where? On the turnpike, heading for the orphanage farm. All right. I'm sending Kent out there. Watch for him. That's all. Uh, get out there as fast as you can, Kent. Yeah. Linwood turnpike, somewhere near the orphanage farm. Okay.
5: I'm going
12: with you.
2: Oh, no, Lois.
12: I said I'm going with you.
2: But it may be dangerous. From what Bleed said, it is dangerous.
12: I don't care, Kent. I'm going along.
2: Oh, stop arguing. Stop arguing. Let her go, Kent. Chances are, it's just a lot of nonsense. Mechanical man. Oh, it's insane. It's mad. Things like that don't happen. All right, Lois, come on. Oh, Kent, in case there is something to it, uh, anything at all, uh, call me. Okay, let's go. Sweeping aside all obstacles in its path, the steel monster is nearing an orphanage farm, home of a thousand children. Can Kent, even as Superman, stop the mechanical creature? Don't miss the next episode of this unusual story. Tune in and listen with Superman. Don't forget... Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman.
3: Look, up in the sky.
10: It's a bird. It's a plane.
9: It's Superman.
10: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in
2: Action Comics Magazine.
7: Behold, my Ooh, yeah, let me
0: tell you something right here, aha! Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! With an exclusive loot fun surprises, and to adore every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy! Ha 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 ha! From
3: the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo!
0: To the Trite with cuts today, huh? wow, with starting as large as 11.99 per month, Those are packs just about for all collectors To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, dig it? you're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman.
2: Presenting the transcription feature, Superman.
3: No, up in the sky. It's
9: a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman
2: visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, send steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, Listen. And now to our story. As you remember, the yellow mask, posing as a government representative, made use of forged credentials to gain access to the laboratory of Wallace Thornton, designer of a radio-controlled mechanical man. Holding Thornton at gunpoint, the mask broke into a safe and removed the blueprint, showing how the mechanical man was constructed. But Thornton, in a last desperate attempt to prevent the theft, turned a dial on the control panel and set the giant steel robot in motion. Unable to stop it after slugging Thornton with the butt of his gun, the mask fled. Meanwhile, the mechanical man, driven by radio impulses, walked through a wall of the building and kept going, leveling everything in its path and terrifying every man, woman, and child. When last seen, the huge metal monster was headed for an orphanage farm in the suburb of Metropolis. Traveling in the same direction are Clark Kent and Lois Lane, star reporters for the Daily Planet, assigned to get a story on the mechanical man
12: think there's anything to this mechanical man business, Clark? Anything more than a joke or an optical illusion? That's hard to say, Lois.
2: Leeds is generally pretty reliable. He said he'd seen it.
12: I get cold Shivers thinking about it. Just imagine an army of mechanical men, solid lines of steel, a million human tanks that nothing could stop. Ooh, gasp.
7: Yeah. I
2: wonder whether we're on the right road. I haven't seen any signposts for miles.
12: Why don't you stop at that gas station up ahead? There must be somebody there who can tell us.
2: That's a good
1: idea.
12: I well, guess I was wrong. Nobody here.
2: Yes, there is. Man's coming out of the house.
12: Yeah. What's he carrying that shotgun for? No. Look, there's a revolver strapped around his waist.
2: That's allowed. I beg your pardon, but is
1: this the road to Linwood? Yeah, it's the road to Linwood, all right, but you'd better not take it.
3: Why, is it torn up? Construction? No,
1: no, there's a monster loose up that way.
3: A monster?
1: That's right, lady. I come by here 20 minutes ago. That's why I'm toting all these firearms. Just in case he decides to come back. Did you see him? No, oh, my boy did, though. He's a giant. He's wearing some kind of shiny armor. My boy said he was twice the size of an ordinary man. Yeah, you know it's hard to take, lady, but it's true... They're talking about it now on the radio. Special bulletins and warnings.
2: Well, thanks a lot.
1: You ain't going to Linwood, are you?
2: I'm afraid we have to. Go
1: so on. You're crazy if you do.
2: Forcing the car to the limit of its speed, Kent races toward Linwood, convinced now that the mechanical man is more than just a myth. Meanwhile, two highway patrolmen, armed with rifles, are parked on the side road behind a screen of huge bushes Waiting for the great steel monster to come within range. Off in the distance, they can see its box like head, its ruby eyes blinking like ghostly danger signals. They crouch low behind their patrol car.
5: Get set, Joe. Here it comes. Okay. Aim for its head, for them blinking eyes. We gotta stop it. Keep low.
1: Well, how about. No, no, not yet. let will get close. Take no chance of the missing. When you start shooting, don't stop. Empty the magazine. All right, now. I'll count three. One. Two. Three. Shoot!
3: It ain't stopping. My gun's empty. Run, Joe! Run!
2: With the steel-jacketed bullets flattened against it like so much putty, the mechanical man clods on unharmed, save for the shattering of one of the red bulbs in its head. Now more horrible than ever, with only a single blood-red eye blinking like that of a monster cyclops, the huge man-made creature starts up the hill in the direction of the orphanage, only a mile away. There, in the administrative office, the superintendent, drawn and anxious, stands at the window while the matron, nervous and pale, paces the floor.
4: You'll wear that rug out, Miss Burton.
13: This is hardly the time for levity, Mr. Danforth. I'm beside myself. I don't know which way to turn.
4: Why not try relaxing?
13: You ask me to relax with a with a bloodthirsty monster about to descend on us.
4: That's a slight exaggeration. So far, there've been no reports about this so-called monster's bloodthirstiness.
13: But you do admit there is a monster.
4: I admit to nothing yet.
13: Oh, why haven't the police arrived?
4: Well, they'll be here.
13: Yes, after we're torn limb from limb when it's too late. Mr. Danforth, I don't like to have to say this, but I feel you're taking your responsibility too lightly. The lives of a thousand children are in your hands.
4: Thank you for bringing that to my attention, Miss Perkins.
13: Sarcasm doesn't alter the situation. <laughs> what are you going to do?
4: Just what I've been doing. Wait. If you prefer to leave the grounds, you're privileged to do so. But don't come back. <laughs>
13: I must say you're acting in a very high-handed manner. I would never have suspected it of your...
4: Your suspicions don't interest me at the moment. So what time is it?
13: <laughs> Ten minutes to one.
4: We've delayed the lunch hour long enough. I'm not going to starve those children because of some mythical monster. Will you please ring the lunch bell, Miss Perkins?
13: Are you mad?
4: Please ring the lunch bell.
13: Do you know what you're doing? Bringing a thousand children together in one building so that monster can get to them all at once. It's murder. That's what it is. Mass murder.
4: All right, Miss Perkins, I'll ring the lunch. See anything,
13: Lois?
12: Nope. Not a sign of man or monster. Clark, what do you think those shots were that we heard a while back? No, it's hard
2: to tell. Maybe deer hunters or someone sniping at the mechanical man. Mm. You should be getting to the orphanage farm any minute now. Keep your eyes open.
12: I am, but I don't know what to look for. Unfortunately, I don't number any mechanical men among my acquaintances.
2: Still don't believe it exists, do you? Even after that story the gas station man told us.
12: I can't make myself believe it. that's the trouble. It's too fantastic. It's incredible.
7: Like
12: a nightmare full of strange shapes. Just as Mr. White said, things don't happen that way.
2: That's probably what your grandfather would have said, too, if he'd seen an airplane 50 years ago.
12: I suppose you're right. Look, look, Clark, isn't that the entrance to the orphanage just up ahead there?
2: Looks like it. Well, either we beat the mechanical man or he's already been here.
12: Or he's non-existent. Like those men from Mars that caused a panic a few years ago, remember?
4: Uh Uh-huh. I have a funny feeling this is slightly different.
12: Maybe you're right. That brick building looks like the office. Yes, I'm full of... Like we're being welcomed by a committee of one. Yeah. Or is that hawk female running toward us the monster? Oh,
3: are you the police?
9: Are you the police? No, madam. We're newspaper reporters. Uh uh-huh. oh. Are you by any chance the orphan superintendent?
13: No, I'm the matron. Oh. Mr. Danforth is in his office. I'll take you to him.
9: This way. Please. Thank you. Come on, Lois.
13: <clears> hmm. <throat> The newspaper reporters to see you, Mr. Danforth.
4: I can't see any reporters, no.
9: now. We're not here in a repertorial capacity, Mr. Danforth. This is Miss Lane, and my name is Kent. Oh, how do you do? How do you
4: do? I'm sorry, but we're all under a strain at the moment.
9: <laughs> That's putting it mildly.
4: Miss Perkins, our matron, is under a particular strain. Yes,
13: it's... Uh... Quite evident. Well, I'd like to know what normal individual wouldn't be with a monster about to descend on you.
2: I take it the mechanical man has not yet arrived.
4: No, have you heard anything about it? Nothing except that one
2: of our local reporters phoned to tell us it was moving in the direction of the orphanage.
4: Has anyone seen this uh, this Frankenstein, Mr. Kent? What we can learn, a number of people have had that rare privilege.
12: (laughs) Seems that nobody waits long enough to get a close-up view. That's what makes the reports vary. Some say it's a giant in a coat of mail. Others that it's a metal monster breathing fire and brimstone. Personally, I think it's all imagination. Mm. That's very
13: interesting, but hardly authentic. Your thoughts on the matter?
4: Miss Perkins, perhaps you'd better go to the dining room while the children are having lunch.
13: I prefer staying here, if you don't mind, Mr. Dancer.
4: Then keep quiet. (laughs)
13: What? What is the very idea? Never in all my life. I said keep quiet or leave. All right. I will leave. I'll go for my children. I'll die with them if necessary. Farewell. <clears throat>
12: terribly sorry, Mr. Dantel. I assume we were responsible for that emotional outburst. No,
4: not at all, Miss Lane. Miss Perkins has gone to pieces. Why on earth she should be afraid of any monster that is beyond me? <laughs> Maybe it's no joking matter. Perhaps it's more serious than we're willing to admit. You say there have been some eyewitness reports, Mr. Kent? Not a few, but no two agree. Boiled down, the creature seems to be a metal robot, a mechanical man. How he happens to have motion and who is controlling that motion is a mystery.
12: Well, if he's coming, he'd better hurry. I'm getting a little annoyed.
4: I'll try the police again. I called them 20 minutes ago and they promised to send some men over. Operator, uh, let me have the police station at Linwood, please. This is Mr. Danford at the Orphan's Farm. I beg your pardon?
11: Oh, I see. Thank you.
4: The line must be busy. Everyone clamoring for police protection. No, the operator says there's no one at the station. The entire force is out.
12: Probably monster hunting like we are. It may become the new national game. You know. You could call. What is it, Louis?
3: Look, coming over the crest of that hill. The monster! Great Scott!
4: Can't believe my eyes. Are we seeing things?
12: No, it's a mechanical man.
4: They were right. He's heading right for that dining room. There are a thousand children in there.
3: Clark, where are you going? Get him off. But don't be a fool. You can't do it alone. See, I can't let go of my arm, Lois. There isn't much time. You'll be
4: taking an awful chance, Mr. Kent. Lois,
3: please. I'm not going to let you go. Sorry, but I can't stand here disgusted. Clark, come back.
4: Clark! Ignoring Lois'
2: frenzied cry, Clark Kent goes out to meet the huge steel monster as it lumbers forward like some giant prehistoric beast. Is he a match for the brainless creature, even as Superman? And will he be forced at last to reveal his double identity to Lois? To let her see that Clark Kent and Superman are one and the same person. A thousand children are in danger. Something must be done and done quickly. What will Kent do? Don't fail to hear the next startling episode. Tune in and listen with Superman. Don't forget. Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with... Superman!
3: Look! Up in the sky! It's
9: a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman!
2: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine.
0: You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Superman.
2: And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. Driven on by the radio impulse from a control panel in Wallace Thornton's laboratory, the mechanical man, a ten-foot steel giant, has, within the short space of an hour, struck terror into the hearts of all who encountered him. Lumbering like some prehistoric beast along highways, over plowed fields, and through wire fences, never deviating from his controlled course, the steel monster has reached an orphanage outside the suburb of Linwood. There, Clark Kent, over the strenuous objections of Lois Lane, stands guard before the orphanage dining room where 1,000 children are at lunch. The huge man-made creature plods up the hill, its massive jointed arms swinging, and one blood-red eye blinking in its square steel head, Kent is faced with a problem. To battle the mechanical man, he must drop the disguise of the meek newspaper reporter and appear as Superman. But Lois Lane is watching him from the office of the orphanage superintendent. Will he reveal his double identity to her? Step by step, the steel giant draws nearer, heavy weighted feet thudding on the hard ground. Bracing himself, Kent waits for the towering mechanical monster, keen eyes centered on the robot's massive riveted chest. And then suddenly, a familiar voice sounds close by.
7: Lois,
12: go back, quickly. No, I'm going to stick with you. If anything happens, it'll happen to both of us. Lois, don't be
2: a fool. Go back. No. With only a scant 50 feet separating him from the mechanical monster, Kent realizes he can do only one thing. Smash the steel giant as Superman, even though Lois will be an eyewitness to it all. But at the very moment he reaches a decision, something is happening in the barn-like laboratory from which the mechanical man first emerged. Wallace Thornton, its creator, struck down by the yellow mask, Has regained consciousness Staggering to the control panel He throws a switch Turns another dial A jagged blue spark Jumps the gap between two metal rods And miles away The mechanical man stops short
12: Clark he stopped Dead in his tracks Yes Look, his arms are coming up
2: No, those aren't his arms The steel plates on both sides of his body Are spreading out like wings Look
3: Look, the top of his head is opening What's going to happen? Almost anything can happen It's uncanny What's that? A hum of an electric motor.
4: Somewhere inside that steel body. Wait, Scott, Lois. A propeller is coming out of his
3: head. It's spinning. Clark, he's going to fly. Well, get back, Lois. There he goes.
12: He's dreaming. It can't be possible.
4: Get to a phone, Lois, in a hurry. Call the office and give them the story. I'm going to chase that mechanical man in the car. He can't fly fast. I'll come back for you. Get the story
3: in. No, Clark, wait. I'll go with you. Clark, Clark.
9: This is far enough away from the orphanage. They can't see me. Now
4: to get that mechanical monstrosity. As Superman before it causes any more damage.
1: Up,
3: up, and away!
2: Leaping high into the air, Superman wings across the heavens. His amazing vision able to pierce the low-hanging clouds and mark the strange flight of the sea robot. Higher and still higher, until he is above it and can hear its motor purring in the beat of its small propeller. For a brief moment, Superman studies the curious metal monster, now become a trim airship. Studies it as the brilliant rays of the sun shine on its steel plates. And then, screaming ahead of it, he suddenly wheels in flight and with the speed of a bullet, plunges toward the whirling propeller. One blow of his granite-like fist and the metal blades of the propeller crumple like tinfoil. The monster falters in mid-air, hangs motionless for a moment, and then, almost like a thing alive struck down in flight, it plummets to the ground thousands of feet below, with Superman diving after it. Down, 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 to end in a
4: thunderous crash.
2: And hours later, in the penthouse hideout of Max Heller, leader of a foreign espionage ring, the Yellow Mask, notorious international criminal, chuckles
11: as he scans the front page of the Daily Planet Evening Edition. <laughs> Listen to this, Heller. That lame girl I was telling you about wrote the story. It's rich. Although reluctant to release any information, the police inferred that the only existing set of blueprints and plans detailing the construction of Wallace Thornton's mechanical man were believed to be missing from the latter's safe. As plain cagey, believed to be missing. They know they're missing because we've got them. Haven't we, Heller?
6: Does it say anything else? Just this.
11: The twisted remains of Thornton's working model of the almost-human robot found in a cornfield where it crashed, are now being examined by a board of mechanical experts. However, little hope is held out that the model can be reconstructed. So badly was it damaged. All in all, Heller, I should say I did a pretty thorough job. You have the only existing blueprints, and the one
6: model is a total wreck. What is that that stop you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. We will begin at once to build up the fear and panic already started by the mechanical man's unrehearsed exhibition. I have trained men working on the blueprints. Within a week, there will be ready another mechanical man. You didn't waste much time, did you? Time, hair is money and the lives of my people. It cannot be wasted. Our first objective will be the shipyard. But before even we do that, there are steps to be taken.
5: Important steps in the breakdown of morale. We must make that name, the mechanical man, feared throughout the country. We must drive people behind locked doors. Make them cower and cringe with nerves at the breaking point. We must instill fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the horrible. Fear of life itself. And this is how we shall
6: do it. Now listen closely. Every move is important. We are playing a game of chess with human lives as pawns. Nothing must go wrong.
12: Yes, Mr. White.
2: What about that follow-up story and the mechanical man story? How long do you think we can hold the presence?
12: Okay, I'll be right in with it. Work, work, work. No rest to the weary. Now, let's see. Where was I? Oh, yes. One line to go. The police are expecting to announce an arrest shortly. There. That does it. Follow-up is no work of art, but it'll have to do.
1: the
12: information from Washington. Oh, I didn't know you were here, Clark. Well, have you recovered from your experience with that animated sardine can, the mechanical what? Uh, don't talk
2: about it, Lois. It's a serious matter.
12: You're telling me? I had that metal man mountain towering over me for a few harrowing seconds. I know how serious it is. Here's the follow-up. Mr. Kent gets quite a plug.
9: That isn't necessary, Lois. All right, all right. I'll read it and send it down. Uh, you can call it a day. Thanks, Chief. Well?
12: Well, what?
9: Uh, Kent and I have something to discuss, Lois. Uh, would you mind... Oh, uh...
12: Sorry.
7: Nice.
9: Night.
12: Nice. Night. Night, what could they be discussing that I can't hear?
9: Well, as I was saying, Mr. White, the information from Washington is fairly
12: complete. I hate to eavesdrop, but I think I have a right to know what's going on.
9: Well, what is it? Of course, you understand this is all confidential. Oh, not to that, not to that. Well, Wallace Thompson, the inventor of the mechanical man, has definitely identified the yellow mask as the man who stole the only existing set of blueprints. That, that again? Yes, and it's also been established that Max Heller, the farm agent, is in this country. In fact, they believe he maintains headquarters in the penthouse of the Montgomery Apartments right here in Metropolis. Max Heller, Montgomery Apartments. What's the connection between Heller and the Yellow man? Well, it was Heller who engineered the mass prison break. Evidently, they've joined hands in espionage. Putting the pieces together, it looks as though they're planning to use replicas of Thornton's mechanical man to terror and destruction in this country. What a story, Kent. We'd scoop everyone with it. I know, but it can't be used. And I accepted that secret service assignment. I agreed to keep confidential information out of print with your approval, if you recall. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, but it's still a terrific story when we can break it. Uh, what's the next move? I've been assigned to watch Heller. We don't want to arrest the mask until we can involve both of them. As it is, we have no evidence against Heller, save that he's an alien. This time, the FBI's division wants to get him and get him right. Now, well, be careful, Kent. I don't want you to run any risk. Well, we're all running risks these days, Mr. White. Part of the battle. Yes, I suppose so. Well, keep me posted on the it's road. little oh, time at lower screen. So,
12: my friend Clark Kent is a special secret service, service operative, tracking down a foreign star and trying to steal all the glory. Well, we'll fix that in short order. I'll show you how to land a spy, Clark, old boy. Not a Harry did it. Why can't Lois Lane? Max Heller. Penthouse. Montgomery Apartments. On your way, lady. Drop me off at the Montgomery Apartments, Tony, and then swing around the corner and wait there for me. I'll be about an hour. And don't keep your meter running.
1: Okay, Miss Lane.
12: And remember this, Tony... I'm going up to the penthouse apartment. Oh,
2: a little cocktail party maybe, huh, Miss Lane? It'll
12: be a party, but I don't think they'll serve cocktails. You won't forget, will you? The penthouse.
2: Don't worry. I got a memory like a giraffe.
12: You mean an elephant. Let it go. That's the Montgomery on the right, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, see you in an hour, Tony. All right.
2: What floor, please?
12: Penthouse.
2: Please. Is Lois Lane in her eagerness to turn the tables on Clark Kent stepping into a lion's den? The yellow mask hasn't forgotten the part she played in putting him behind bars. Not only that, but Lois's interference may disrupt the carefully laid plans of the Secret Service. Something is bound to happen, so don't miss it. Be with us for the next exciting episode. Tune in and listen. We're the Superman.
9: Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling
2: episode with
9: Superman.
3: Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's
9: a plane. It's Superman.
2: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics
0: magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Superman.
2: Presenting the transcription feature Superman.
3: Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman.
2: Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman who can lease tall buildings of a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen... And now to our story. As you remember, the notorious international criminal known as the Yellow Mask has escaped from prison to join forces with Max Heller, head of a foreign espionage ring. The Mask, who earned his name because of the yellowish pallor of his skin, has planned with Heller to spread fear and panic by striking at American defense industries. Already the only existing set of plans and blueprints showing the construction of an amazing radio-controlled mechanical man are in the hands of the two enemies of freedom. But Clark Kent, in reality, Superman, has been appointed a special Secret Service operative not only to recover the Mechanical Man blueprints, but to get the goods on both Heller and the Mask. However, Lois Lane, star girl reporter of the Daily Planet, overhears Kent telling his editor, Perry White, of the new assignment, and decides to take matters into her own hands. She learns that Heller is suspected of maintaining headquarters in a fashionable Metropolis penthouse. Arriving there in a taxi, she tells Tony, the driver, to wait for her around the corner. Unaware that they are about to have a visitor, Max Teller and the mask are discussing sabotage plans when the buzzer on the ingenious inter-room communicating device sounds.
6: Excuse me. Yes?
4: There's a woman in the foyer. She wishes to see
6: you. She gives the name?
3: Yeah. Stein.
6: Identification? No. The signal? No. I will look at her. There's a woman waiting to see me. One of your agents? Evidently not. She gives no identification and no signal. She says her name is Goethe Stein. I will look her over. And expose yourself to her? That is not necessary. Watch closely. I press this button, hidden behind the drapery, and a small panel in the wall opens. Now, look through the opening. Tell me what you see. A girl standing in the foyer.
11: How's it done? This room is nowhere near the foyer.
6: An ingenious arrangement of mirrors. Is our visitor attractive? I I can't tell. Her back is turned. Here, let me look. Ah, she is facing us now. Very attractive, I would say. A little nervous and ill at ease. One thing's always certain. Her name is not Gertrud Stein. Here, what do you think? Look at her. Well,
11: I I've seen that girl before, Heller.
6: Really? How
11: interesting. Who is she? I... I can't place her looking at her this way. The image is too small. Shall we invite her in? Wait. I'd like to remain undercover for a while.
6: Some place where I can observe her without her seeing me. That is easily arranged. They simply press another hidden button, and a large panel in the opposite wall will open. You will notice once you have stepped inside, and I have closed the panel... The eyes and the picture hung on the panel have been painted on thin gauze. You will be able to see through them. That's perfect. I shall ask the young lady in. Strauss. Ja, yeah. I will see Miss Stein. Now to close the viewing device. You may step into the wall aperture. Uh, keep your hands back as the panel slides shut. You ready? Yes. You do not have to worry about suffocation. The aperture is air-conditioned.
11: I was wondering about that.
6: Now, quiet. Now, this is coming. Miss Gertensheim. Now, come in, Miss Stein.
12: Thank you, Herr Heller.
6: That will be all stress. Won't you sit down, Miss Stein?
12: Uh, thank you. You must forgive me for my nervousness, but uh, they have been following me. It was difficult escaping them. Oh, really? Oh, Yes. It was the same in London.
6: Oh, you worked in London.
12: Since the beginning of the war.
6: I see. Felsen, of course, you must know Carl Liebling.
12: Uh, I know him well. It was Herr Liebling who told me to report to you. Uh, you see, I'm considered quite valuable since I speak English quite fluently.
6: I'm beautiful, if I may say so.
12: Thank you. Well, I'm at your service, Herr Heller. There must be a great deal to be done here in America. Yes,
6: a great deal. But uh, first, I should like you to meet my colleague, uh, provided he is ready. Are you mine, herr?
12: Yeah, come ready. Who's speaking? Where did that voice come from?
6: I will show you, Fraulein, by pressing this little button. Watch. But... <laughs> you two have met before, perhaps?
11: Most assuredly, we have. Haven't we, Miss Lane?
12: I have never seen this man before. And why does he call me by another name? Drop
11: the phony accent. You're a reporter on the Daily Planet
6: newspaper, and your name is Lois Lane. The
12: man is out of his mind. I don't think so. What do you mean?
6: Without any corroboration, I would have mistrusted you. You failed to present either identification or the accepted signal. You told me you knew Carl Liebling in London, when no such man exists. But you take me for, fool. But I tell you... It but... doesn't matter what you tell us, Miss Lane. I knew we'd met before.
11: I never forget a face. Certainly not a pretty face.
12: You can keep your compliments yourself. All right, I am Lois Lane. So What? Two can play at your game.
6: Yes, but one always loses. and this time, you have lost. It is unfortunate the stakes are so high. Very unfortunate. What
12: exactly do you mean?
6: I mean simply that you will have to suffer for your impudence. If you had no better sense than to attempt this stupid Charlie's method of getting information, you will pay for that stupidity, as others before you have paid. This isn't the first time she's interfered with me, Hammer. It will be the last.
13: You can't threaten me. Goodbye.
6: That door is locked, Miss Lane. So is that... Let
13: me out of here.
6: Uh, don't upset yourself.
12: Let me out of here, I said.
6: I heard you the first
12: time. Now look here, you two. I'm an American citizen and this isn't a concentration camp. We're not in Germany now. We're in the United States. You can't pull any of your tricks.
6: As far as you're concerned, Miss Lane, this penthouse apartment might just as well be in Siberia. Except that you won't freeze today. Because we're going to make it hot for
12: you. Oh, that's very funny. But you won't think it's so funny when I... Then what? Never mind.
6: You had best learn, Fraulein, That when I ask a question, I expect an answer. Take
12: your hand off my arm.
6: You are about to tell us something of interest.
12: I changed my mind. Let go of my arm. You're hurting me.
13: Why did
6: you come here? Who sent you?
12: Oh, go ahead. Break
13: my arm. Demonstrate how powerful you are. How strong. How courageous. Speak up. It's
12: your last chance. You'll crawl like the insect you are when the FBI men get here.
6: You hear that? She's bluffing, perhaps. But we cannot afford to gamble on it.
12: No, don't gamble, Hella. As you said, someone is bound to lose, and this time it may be you.
6: I would not count on it if I were you, Fräulein. Strauss. Go ahead. We will leave at once, in the usual manner. It is possible there may be visitors after we are gone. Take the necessary precautions. That is all. Now, Miss Lynn, if you will be so kind as to accompany us to the terrace.
12: I find it quite comfortable in here, thank you.
6: Your comfort is not one of my primary considerations. If you please.
12: The night air doesn't agree with
6: me. That is indeed unfortunate. But under the circumstances of no importance, I am sure our mutual friend, the Ellen Mask, will be happy to escort you to the terrace. More than happy. And you'd better come quietly. Keep
13: away from me. I'm warning you. Just take
6: it easy. You let go
8: of me. Take it me. easy. Put oh, your oh, hand over her mouth.
11: With her frantic cries
2: for help muffled and unheard, Lois is forced out on the terrace roof of the apartment building. Meanwhile, Tony, the cab driver, having grown impatient, tried to gain access to the penthouse without success. Worried, he drove back to the Daily Planet and enlisted the help of Clark Kent. We joined them in the taxi as it races to the apartment
4: house. The last thing she said was, wait for me around the corner. I'll be down in an hour. When was this? Ten minutes after nine. Mm-hmm. Well, I waited, but she didn't show. So then I tried to get up to the penthouse where she said she was gone. Nothing to it. I tell you, Mr. Kent, that apartment house is phony. Now, one of them guys can even talk good. They all got foreign accents. The guy that runs the elevator, the doorman, even the superintendent. What kind of a joint, is it? I don't know, Tony, but we'll find out. I sure hope nothing happened to Miss Lane. Don't you worry about Lois. She can take care of herself. I hope... Why wouldn't they let you up to the penthouse, did they say? Yeah, they give me a cock and bull story about the place being empty. Nobody living there. I knew it was a lot of malarkey because if the joint was empty, why didn't Miss Lane come right down? That makes sense, don't it? Certainly does. Here we are, Mr. Kent. All right, now you stay in the cab, Tony. Keep the motor running. I'll go around the side of the building, do a little investigating. You sure you don't want me alone? Positive. I'll be back soon.
7: Okay.
9: Only one way to get up to that penthouse.
11: There's Superman. I could wring Lois's neck for doing this. Not only has she endangered herself, but now it'll take twice as long to get anything on Heller and the Mask.
7: The
11: side street looks dark enough. Nobody in sight. Off with these clothes. And up! Up! This must be the terrace. I don't see any lights, but that door should lead somewhere. It's locked. I'll have to force it. Okay. That does it. Now to look around. It's funny. The place does seem empty. No furniture, no rugs. Wonder whether the lights work. Try that switch. They work all right. The room's barren, nothing but four walls. And so they told Tony that the penthouse was
4: unoccupied. Still, it doesn't make sense. Where's Lois? Wait a minute. I hear a faint hissing sound. That's either steam or compressed air, but where's it coming from? Oh, great Scott,
2: what was that? Unaware that what he has just heard is mysteriously connected with the disappearance of Max Heller, the yellow mask, and Lois, Superman stands in the seemingly unoccupied apartment, staring at the four blank walls. Suddenly he stiffens. His eyes light up. What has he seen? What strange, fearful thing has his amazing X-ray vision shown him? Don't miss the next thrilling episode. Tune in and listen the Superman. Don't forget. Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman.
3: Look, up in the sky. The
2: bird, it's a plane.
3: It's Superman.
2: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine.
0: Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!